I'm Stephen Gregory Smith. And I'm Matt Connor. Oh no, I don't have the microphone in. It doesn't matter. Places, everyone. It's time for the Connor and Smith Show. Thank you, places. So, does this matter? It it it's still is picking up. It's, it's still picking up. Okay. We'll we'll cool. hook it up for when our guest arrives. So, what's our project here tonight? Well, uh, you know what? For those of you who do not know what the Connor and Smith Show is, and have been wondering, like, what are those guys up to now that is taking up all their time and energy outside of other COVID-related issues? Um, the Connor and Smith Show basically is our own little podcast where we just talk to people two, uh, two or three times a week, <clears throat> and it's all done with this handy dandy app that Stephen has, and it basically just records the show like right here, right now. Hello, testing. Can you hear me? And so then, when our guest comes in tonight. Uh, a link will be sent to that person and that person just hits go or whatever. Yay link. I don't know. I've never been a guest. And um, it's all recorded right here and then it's all posted. And then where do you find the recording of that? Uh, Anchor.fm slash... Brought to you by Diet Dr. Pepper. Not true. The Connor and Smith Show. So you can listen on like a a computer as well, but you first have to go to anchor.fm uh, and then look up the Connor and Smith show. So there you go. Hi, have. Allison. Hello. So I know that sound, this sounds like we're 12. That was, um, the that boys was Eddie are or Byron. About, we yeah. have two pugs. Um, we actually, we have the only pugs, at least in our world. We think that they're the only pugs in America. Not but true. Bef- during every podcast, we create an art project. Stephen, show, show us some of the art projects. We have created... Um, um, we've created little. We create a, a little St. Patrick's Day tree with these. I mean, why not? Um, and then there's the uh, spin and splatter, which was a big. We hit. did the spin and splatter, which was great. We do ten year old level art. I was kind of hoping that we could do this with cupcakes and like make it a thing, but the, it did. It didn't work. Yeah. Um, so tonight we're doing a heart project because we are eight years old. Yes. Actually, this is a book on your weird. So there's that. Okay. So we're gonna color a heart. Why are you coloring a heart tonight? Uh, well, the motto of this show is turn your heart into, into art. art. So we are quite literally doing that this evening with art? a picture of a heart. And what art? What you're supposed to. What you. Uh, what you're supposed to do art? is. Write um, something of all the things that make up this weird, weird world we live in. Yeah. What do you care about the most in that odd little heart of yours? Label each section with something you hold dear. So first, I'm going to color them. Then I'm going to label them. But so this is this is our heart art for the night. Wait, we have to put things in there that we hold dear. Yeah. Let's see. I would say one of the things I hold dear is that what. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, is the Creole, the special Creole uh, seasoning I get at Safeway. That was your go-to? That was your first? And then I also hold dear... Um, the pugs. The pugs. Mm-hmm. Yep. Family. Um, I will say I, I... Well, no, to be honest. Oh, boy. Uh, with everyone with everyone kind of going through what they're going through right now, I guess this past year has actually kind of... Um, made us all think about things that we hold dear and things that have been taken away and so many people um, 
struggling with finances and work and I know our industry has definitely been hit pretty hard and we are of course like everyone else trying to figure out things but in the meantime we started the Connor and Smith show um, now coming up we won't talk about this long but coming up one night me and Steven did find a website where we could basically set up our own shop and sell like um, our own merchandise so we just did it kind of for fun to see what it would be like to maybe have a Connor and Smith mug or a pug mug or an Eddie and Byron pillow pillow that's gonna be cute so we ordered some of that so you know uh what we're gonna do is show everyone like what the merchandise is and probably you know if you want to get any of it anyway so I I thought turn your heart into art was based on something with our guest um, no, actually, our guest actually uh, texted that to me in our exchange about setting up tonight because clearly he was a fan of the show. Right. And was listening. Right. Everyone <laughs> probably is. Um, yeah. Uh, Brought to you by Smartwater. It's not. Um, so, so tonight's guest, I selected this in his honor because he quoted us and to my knowledge is the first person who has. So... Um, our guest tonight is Matt Bogart. He is known for regionally here in DC area for his iconic performances in 110 in the Shade, Damn Yankees, Camelot, to name just a few. Most recently, I believe, Snow Child. Um, he has been on Ace and Ace at Signature. He has been in Miss Saigon, Jersey Boys, and several other things up in Broadway. Um, yeah, if, if anyone, anyone anyone remembers this, I think it was in the 90s, if you drove into mm. Times Square, there was a big underwear commercial for Jockey. Yep. And it was four correct. Broadway stars. And it was more than four, but go ahead. It was more than four on the, mm -hmm. on the thing? It was a lineup of people from current Broadway shows that was running, and that billboard, as... Beautiful as it is, probably reinvigorated the Broadway industry by just showing the actors in their underwear. Good on ya. <laughs> so, that's our guest tonight. Yep. We are going to continue this art project. We will edit and post this, and it'll be up later on Facebook, maybe an hour or so later. Yep. And just yep. look for it there, anchorfm.com. And as always, you can check out the completed art project at the Connor and Smith Facebook page. And if you are like, who are these people... What have they done? I need to know more. Then please visit www.connorsmithmusicals.com. You can read a few things about us there. And if you're not thinking those things, That's feel free fine. not to. That's fine. Yeah, yeah, you can and you can't. All right. Well, we have to take a little break and we will be not right back on here, Facebook Live, but we will be right back on when, the podcast when you're listening. Bye. Bye. Oh my gosh. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Matt? I'm good. Hi, Hi Matt. It's Hi, Matt. guys. Hi, guys. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited to join you and talk to you. How have you been? Especially since we didn't talk before this. I know. And I haven't seen you in so long. So we I always enjoy surprise. myself when I'm with you. So, <laughs> But nobody can be with each other. Right? I'm that's sure right. that's partly why you guys are doing this whole thing, right? Correct. We're bringing the world together. That's right. <laughs> One Bogart at a time. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's going to take a while.
There's it several is... of us. I know. I know. Yeah. How's your family doing? They're good. Thank you. I mean, yeah. I, I think my brothers, uh, Dominic and Kevin are suffering a little bit because they're actually at home taking care of my parents and, you know, trying to save money. Um, right. You know, because Dominic lived in L.A. and um, uh, Kevin kind of travels a lot and uh, but but works and travels also. So, um, you know, his kind of home base is my parents house, but they're they do a lot of work around the house and and uh, they're taking care of them for us. Everybody's good, though. Your parents are good and everything. Yeah. My parents are working still. They had they had both of their shots. They're healthy. Everything's good. Yeah. That's great. Hey, Matt, where, where are you calling in from? I live in Westchester County, New York. I live in a town called Armonk, A-R-M-O-N-K, which is about 50 minutes north of Manhattan. Well, north of uh, Midtown, I, would, I should say. Oh, nice. Yeah. And we moved up here like five years ago. Um, you know, because that's what you do when you have a couple kids in tow and... You want to give them some grass and things like that, but we're still up here. Um, we haven't sold our house or moved or anything yet, but uh, <laughs> we'll see what's in store since, you know, there's so many unknowns. But yeah. I want to I hear about you guys, though, too, and, and what you're busy with and how you're feeling about it all. Well, I mean, I guess it kind of varies from day to day with us. I mean, uh, I was just on the phone with a friend today in New York, and... I don't know. It, it just feels like even when we quote unquote or quote quote return <laughs> back to whatever's there. I mean, I just feel like things are going to be so different. Um, mm -hmm. And also, I think that, you know, I think people are just going to have to figure out a lot of stuff. Um, you know, I know myself personally. I mean, does anyone want to see this white guy show up in direct shows or should it be a person of color or a female, you know, and, um, well, of course they want to see you direct shows. You're too talented not to, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think, yeah, I mean, surely. I don't, I don't think, well, I think not want to bring up anything, my Helen Hayes you know? win this year. Yeah. We need to do our social work. Oh, that's for sure. Yeah. Hey Matt, where are you from originally? I'm originally from north of Dayton, Ohio. I grew up on a horse farm in Ohio. Did, did, do you still have family there? That's where my parents live. Yeah, same house and oh, everything. Wow. Yeah, it's like an 80-acre farm. Mostly livestock, but my dad these days is focusing on his uh, thoroughbreds and racing. And over the years, he's done like breeding horses and, and uh, um, housing them for other people and training them for racing. Uh, he's done steeplechase, all kinds of things. What was your journey, uh, for any fans of yours listening, what was your journey going into the business as a young, a youngster? Did you have like that high school production that said, I want to do this? Um, what yeah. college would you go to? Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, just quickly. I mean, and I just did a master class for uh, Montclair University in New Jersey. And the title of my master class was Farm to Stage. <laughs> you know, like farm to farm to table, page to stage, you know, that kind of thing. But, you know, my my journey is <laughs> is interesting in that way. And and uh, certainly come across a lot of identity crises in my life, <laughs> having grown up on a farm and then, you know, living in New York City on the Upper West Side and doing Broadway shows, something that I couldn't imagine or fathom 
uh, unless I saw the opening credits to Saturday Night Live, you know. Um, right. So, yeah, I mean, I, I grew up just a, a Midwest farm boy. And in uh, it wasn't until high school that I started to uh, be introduced to the arts through a couple teachers, uh, a voice teacher, as well as uh, a teacher. Her name is uh, Mrs. Gail Brandwee, and she's still with us, and she's she's alive and kicking as she always has been, and just a wonderful woman who uh, inspired me. And I know a lot of us have had so many teachers in our lives who have inspired us, but she was she was bringing a whole new world to me, not just theater all kinds of things. She had me do the radio show for the high school. Um, I, I got into uh, show choir, the plays, the musicals, um, uh, men's quartet, uh, the whole gambit. And at the same time, I was also playing sports. I mean, that was my thing. You know, I was playing soccer, football, basketball, and track. And, you know, would go to the state finals for a lot of those uh, sports um, through high school. And then going into college, I wanted to continue playing football. And so my parents and I really looked for a school that I could go to. And I ended up going to Baldwin Wallace College for one year in Cleveland and studying music and musical theater uh, and being on the football team. But that kind of soured being on the football team. But I, for one year, I did that. And Baldwin Wallace is a, is a pretty small school. So I kind of wanted more of a big school experience for college and also a little more competitive in the musical theater program. So I started looking around and I applied for Carnegie Mellon and University of Cincinnati. And I got into both. Um, and I really wanted to go to Carnegie Mellon. But at the time, it was $21,000 a year. And <laughs> I got, you know, a little scholarship, but I just couldn't put my parents through paying that, you know. And these days, uh, my wife's brother actually is a, is a tenured professor there, teaches in the, in the theater department. And it costs, what, like sixty-five dollars to $70,000 to go there now. Yeah. Um, and so instead, I chose to go to the in-state school, University of Cincinnati, and that cost me about nine grand a year. Right. So, <laughs> so I had a great experience at CCM and... Um, you know, for me, I know that some people don't need to go to school and can just jump right in and be successful and, you know, amazing child actors. I don't know how they do it, that kind of thing. Um, but because I didn't grow up in the theater, um, but I did take to it. I love it so much. I loved it so much. And I just thought, hey, you know what? I'm going to try this. And I've just loved I've just loved it ever, ever since. I've loved my choice um, to do this for a living. Uh, because it's just opened my world incredibly, you know, and um, considering where I came from, it's a, it's a, it's been a really interesting journey. That's for sure. Yeah, it's, it's so fascinating that you say that about just sort of like um, going from the farm into music theater, just knowing that that's where you wanted to land because uh, it's so interesting when you work with people. And I know that you probably know the difference too, um, people that have like a certain intuition about them mm -hmm. that no, no college education can almost give you. You almost have like an emotional awareness about choices to make in theater. Yeah. 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 I, th I think so. I, I mean, you really have to search yourself because <laughs> I, I, you know, plenty of people tell you, Oh, that's not really a way to make a living if you're going to, 
keep going with that idea. That sounds like a lot of fun. But I think that's also because of a lot of people's ignorance about theater and what it is and what it's what it means to be an artist. And uh, I mean, you guys can speak on that, certainly. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I was uh, I was uh, stalking you a little last night because <laughs> I knew, knew that we were going to be talking. And I saw that you were writing a musical. Yeah, I'm, I'm writing a few things these days. I mean, this is a perfect time to do so, right? And I was stalking right? you as well because I, you've done so many shows and not only as an actor, but also writing and it's just incredible. And unfortunately, I've only seen, uh, I've only seen Hollow. Uh, but to tell you the truth, I am inspired by that because right now I'm writing a version of A Christmas Carol with, um, with a couple guys from Jersey Boys. So oh, nice. that's got our little, our little uh, take on it, you know, uh, a mobbed up Christmas Carol kind of thing. <laughs> now, Matt, when you see that you're writing, I just want to be, I just want to make clear for our, our, our listeners. Are you writing music, lyrics, book, all three? Well, for the musical that I'm writing, which, um, We've changed the title. Now the title is The Brightest Light. And my friend Katie Foffel uh, is writing mostly the music and lyrics. But we're collaborating together on all three. So we're not designating, you know, uh, either one of us to be, um, you know, lyric writer, book writer, that kind of thing. Just a musical by Matt Bogart and Katie Foffel. Or the other way around. Yeah, I- she gets first billing. <laughs> yeah, I I think that's fascinating about me and Steven as well is because we are a little bit, we have several hats in our trunk. Um, mm-hmm. we, we tend to, you know, there's clearly a couple of songs that Steven has definitely, you know, set his fingers to. And there's definitely a couple of ideas that I've set into the, the lyrics or book. Um, we don't really have very defined boundaries with that. And I find that sometimes that's actually a little bit of a, a healthier outcome because you really um, don't leave any stones unturned mm-hmm. in, and, and you as an actor know, uh, it, Hey, if this doesn't make sense to me, this is not going to make sense to anybody else. Exactly. And I think you bounce. I mean, if you're, if you write in the same room, you know, if you're, <laughs> if you're anyone other than Elton John and uh, <laughs> you know, then you're writing together and you're bouncing, you're bouncing ideas off of every, of the other uh, collaborator. And, you know, I've, I've asked Katie so many questions about the book and she's offered so many suggestions. It's almost unfair to say she didn't write a write part of it. So maybe you guys work yeah. that way, too. Well, we used to we used to share billing. Do we still share billing? I you, who remembers? <laughs> I know. I mean, it was theater was so long well, ago. I, don't I know. know. I, I've thrown away so many opening night dresses. <laughs> Uh, is that because of, um, is that because of COVID fifteen or <laughs> COVID ten? COVID thirty five. I'm I'm just hoping if I go any place after I'm vaccinated, no one will recognize me. <laughs> hats on, right, right? right? Baseball hats on. See the thing I love, Matt, about um, actors, performers who turn their focus and shift onto writing or directing is, you know, I, there's everyone wants to keep everyone else in their lane, right? They don't like people to get outside of their boxes much. And 
it's it's because they think of someone safely in one regard and that's that's the place that they feel you know everyone thinks not everyone but a lot of people think in compartmentalization terms and to me from from my experience and Matt's experience at least like no actually being an actor and performer makes you really really able to to look at a line and say this line is not right until I can't make fun of it. <laughs> if I can't make fun of this line, because how many new musicals have we done? And most of them, a lot of them, brilliant or very exciting. But we've also probably been in some stinkers. And you just know, like, I know that if I said this line and the dressing room didn't laugh, then we're good. You know, you being the performer, you have to go up there and interpret the line, the the, the everything. So we've also been under the hands of masterful direction and under the hands of not so masterful direction. So it, it we know the difference. Um, and I think that's, I always love to hear when somebody is, is plumbing another angle in the performing arts. It's just, it, it makes you nothing more than a more totally rounded artist and human. I think, I think so too. And I, I think part of, for me at least, grow, growing up and being an actor for so many years, you know, I've always approached things from a kind of directorial or writing, uh, you know, point of view, because as an actor, you're trying to fill out this character and you're trying to fill out the physical, the physical world of the character as well. And you're in the room working with all those different kinds of people uh, directors, choreographers, you know, but it kind of, they're all siphoning their ideas into you as well to make the show as good as possible. Um, and I think, I think that, yes, we have a very interesting point of view when it comes to um, embodying those other jobs, directing, writing, and so forth. I also think, and going back to this masterclass again, you know, I was telling these, these young actors you know, uh, this is a strange time, obviously, COVID. Um, and so we can't actually practice being an actor like we were. And but I want and I wanted to remind them the best thing you can do is get busy uh, writing and and cr just creating, you know, um, and you guys, I know that you like to create some kind of piece of art while we're doing this podcast. And so am I. I'm, I'm drawing up a little drawing here while I'm talking to you. But <laughs> but. Oh, that's awesome. But, uh, but, you know, as actors, we have to be our own CEO. And we and right now, the best thing we can do is be creative, um, do any writing that has been on our minds, um, maybe record ourselves singing some songs, you know, stay busy, be creative. Don't let that yeah. don't let that fire die. That's for sure, because it feeds us. Um, it feeds us in these in these difficult times. Yeah, you know, I've, I've always felt that the arts in general, first of all, the arts is the only subject that uh, that embodies every single subject. Yeah. Um, and also, I feel like the arts for me and a lot of other people is the difference between rain, sleet and fog and snow. It just kind of comes in a different form. Yeah. And and that, you know, um, currently I'm reading the book Big Magic. Mm by Elizabeth Gilbert that wrote Eat, Pray, uh -oh, okay. Love. All right. I don't, I don't know and the book you're reading, it's, but. It's all about creativity. Yeah. And like the first, the first time I opened the page, I was like, oh my gosh, this book is going to be amazing. Yeah. Um, 
me and Stevie have a, a book that we started last night that we uh, cut holes in a uh, construction paper. And we're basically seeing what we can do with actually uh, design our own creative activity book that could be actually like bound and sold. Nice. Great idea. Um, yeah. We're working on a brand new show about uh, the five women that were killed by Jack the Ripper. Um, <laughs> oh, so, you know, that, yeah. that's part of like what, what we live for. But I want to ask you a question back um, about 110 in the show. Uh -huh. Yes. Was that your, was that your first DC? No. No, um, Stephen and I did sideshow together. I was not in sideshow. You're right. You were not he in sideshow. He was sidelined. Oh, oh you're gosh, right. You then. were in sideshow. See, it doesn't count. Sideshow doesn't count then. Stephen wasn't in it. Oh my god! <laughs> oh, oh my god! No, why did I think you were in it? I I don't know. Synonymous because you guys are synonymous I get, with I get DC for me, but um. I get mixed up with PJ and Will sometimes. <laughs> I don't know why. It just happens. No, no, not at all. I. Oh my gosh. I just kind of like threw you in. I was like, well, Steven's always, we're always doing shows together. Cause we also did. So it must we have also been true. Did Damn Yankees <laughs> Arena. Um, so, so the sideshow foursome was Matt Bogart, Will. Amy. Was it Amy? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Amy was one girl, Sherry was the other girl, and then Will was the mm -hmm. other guy. Mm hmm. And Joe Clarka was yes. the director. Mm -hmm. Wow, that was that was a impactful evening. My wife loved that show, the way Joe directed it, and just the whole feeling yeah. of it. And that was the first foray, I believe, into re re a regional theater for that show. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. um, I think I think the writers came to see it, and uh, yeah, it was a great it was a great experience. It was a lot of work, you know, back in the day in the garage. As, as yeah. Know. Yeah. Now this is a, um, a a weird question, but what would you say to a, a an audience member the difference from staying in town in New York and doing a Broadway run, which, as we all know, is open ended and you don't really know if it's going to close or not, and then you get a, a announcement that it's going to close or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, is there a different creativity or a different? Um, excitement or not excitement going to another town and mounting a regional production? Um, I mean, it's if you're talking about mounting a show, it's definitely different because I think the commercial theater world just has so much pressure on it in every aspect. Uh, and I think yeah. that certainly you can find the fun, but I think that it's very difficult for a lot of people because it's uh, it's incredibly um it's it's in a pressure cooker and you know there's just so much money on the line and everyone's worried that it's not good or that people are not going to like it you know so i i've, I've been in both scenarios where <laughs> i did you know this show called the civil war and it lasted for three months on broadway but it was like the most it was one of the most incredible casts of people that i enjoyed doing a show with and then, you know, I've done huge successful shows as well and closed them. <laughs> uh, but but being in New York, yeah. I mean, and doing a show is, is quite wonderful, especially, you know, I got to live on the Upper West Side and walk to work and then walk home after doing a show and, you know, live the actor's life and and, um, you know, make decent money that way, playing playing uh, great parts. But I I certainly have the highest appreciation for any show that I get to go do um, regionally 
and DC is my favorite place to go. That's for sure. I mean, I, I love all of you people and that DC community. And I'm always touting to everyone. I'm like, I'm like the DC theater community is amazing, you know? And we are, I mean, yeah. you know, the, my wife and I, Jessica have talked several times about where are we going to, what are we going to do? Where are we going to go? And I'm like, well, you know, DC's on my list, you know, he's not, a, he's right. not opposed to it. That's for sure. Yeah. I remember being an outsider, an, an audience member, I guess I should say, of with the, the show Ace. And I remember that that show had some sort of quote unquote potential or like we really want this one to be, be the one to go. And it was a really exciting production mm -hmm. at Signature. And does that just boil down to like backers and it's always about money? Yeah, I don't know. I think it's case by case, I, I, you know. I that True. yeah i think i think it's it's easy to get people excited about something and then sometimes they see it or they get those reviews in and that can be a big problem and i think going back yeah. to 110 in the shade i think that eric and everyone involved you know even the writers were really hoping for something huge to happen there and we uh we just didn't get the reviews i think from the main papers that we we needed to you know, get over the top and, and, and get that money yeah. and make it happen right at that time. Uh, it was a beautiful production. That was, that was, it was a beautiful production. I mean, uh, the cast was fantastic. Harry Winter, Stephen Gregory won the Helen Hayes yeah. for that. Um, J Jackie Perot Donovan. Um, yeah. And I remember, you know, I, me and Steven, of course, were, were kind of a uh, uh, signature family of for a, a while i guess yeah. we still are but you know um it, eric had such a way of like taking a, a show like that and sort of getting to the the skeleton the bare bones of it and i didn't know 110 at all i guess yeah i guess i didn't really even know the music and i was blown away by this sort of stripped down i mean didn't he make the cast smaller yeah. and everything yeah mm -hmm. uh and then when, yeah and then of course to make it rain and you always walked in that garage thinking Oh God, what am I going to see exactly. in this space? Yeah. 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 It was very pared down. And I think that's a good thing because you got to pair it. You got to pare down the story and hear the story best you can. And I, I think everyone did a great job and gosh, that was a wonderful cast too. We had the best time backstage and, and, um, and, you know, it was just a really beautiful run of a show you know, regardless of, you know, did all the papers like it and all that. But I, I just, I just really love working in DC. Obviously I've been there many times and um, hope I can again. And, and the writers, the writers were in the room at some points to help with, or to talk about they the They were show. there for yep. a week right. probably, right? Steven? Yeah. And John oh, from Tunic yeah, was right. there. I mean, just, just, your, just your average, average old orchestrator, uh, room, you know, yeah. I've looked back on um, Sondheim's uh, uh, Tony Award speeches, you know, and he keeps them very clean and short. And he thanks Jonathan Tunick every time. He says, I wouldn't be able to do this without Jonathan Tunick. <laughs> you know, you know, Jonathan Tunick actually orchestrated uh, my first show, Nevermore. Oh, wow. and, and I'm in the room at Signature Theater thinking, oh, my God, what am I doing <laughs> And um, at one point we were going, th we were going through the orchestrations of, of one song or something and we finished and Jonathan just kind of paused and he looked at me and he said, uh, 
what do you what do you think and i said i think what you think <laughs> and and he said you're going to go very far <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> but jack jackie was in the show oh is that right yeah okay uh, of Nevermore, and he threw a little 110, like little Easter egg, just a little f- small phrase in that one hurts. of her solos that turned into a duet. And I thought That's that was brilliant. so clever. It's uh, Evening Star overhead. It's the same tune. The da 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 da. Oh, really? So that appears in Nevermore. Yeah, yeah. And Every time Jackie would be on stage singing that, I was like, oh, gosh, a composer left you like a little Easter That's egg beautiful. every night. I mean, an orchestrator. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. obviously you can find um, those gems. I mean, it's like Jonathan Tunick is like the James Joyce of orchestrating. You know, we're going to yeah. continue to discover all of his secrets within his orchestrations, you know, um, all the motifs that he throws in. And, you know, it could be from other tunes other songs within the same show or, or other motifs from other shows, say of Sondheim's, you know, that he threw, threw in there, or it could be, you know, um, uh, you know, the classical composers that he, that he hints to. And I'm not, I'm not sharp enough to know when he's doing that. I mean, here and there, of course, with the Sondheim material, but you know, it's, it's the same kind of thing. Um, Matt, Stephen said that you have an album that is with the National Symphony Orchestra. That is the name for an orchestra that my producer, who lives in London, gathers in London. Uh, It's just a name of, you know, a a group of people who are legit um, orchestra members in that area that he hires to play for his albums. But I got, uh, to re- I got to record it at Abbey Road Studios, which was pretty incredible. <laughs> oh, that, that is incredible. If, if, if any of our listeners don't have that, can we still get that on iTunes? Yeah, Spotify, everything's on whatever? iTunes. Um, and it's, uh, I mean, my first album is uh, Matt Bogart's Simple Song, which is the uh, Leonard Bernstein from Mass. Uh, and, mm-hmm. uh, and then there's a lot of like single singles that I did with John and, and other things, other cast albums uh, on iTunes. And of course, you can buy like if you love CDs still, you can buy that on Amazon. No problem. Probably for like two dollars these days. <laughs> oh, that's it's it's a great Thank CD. Um, I still I still have it. still listen to it. Um, so. You and I got to continue uh, working together in 2005 yes. in Damn Yankees. Yes. Um, which was also <laughs> just a blast, Which right? was yeah. so much fun. I um, mean, you're used to it. You're yes. used to all these amazing, you know, local people, uh, you know, who who are close to the ground. <laughs> you know, doing shows in New York. Yes. Like, you meet all kinds and man, you can't second guess like what kind of people you're going to meet or work with or, you know, what their attitudes are going to be towards life or towards the business or the, the show you're doing, you know, but I, you know, that's, that's really why I love coming to DC because of the people there. Our community has a, like a, it's ridiculous how many it's, a, you know, the riches are yeah. just incredible. Um, okay. I've decided. Incredible people. I'm going to go tell Jessica as soon as I get off the phone with you. <laughs> oh, God. Do you remember just, just, I mean, 
so many things just make me smile when I look back on it. Uh, Rayanne yeah. Gonzalez, yeah. oh my God, um, talking about the poorest hot dog she's ever had at the stadium. <laughs> and of course, that show brought together uh, Diego mm-hmm, yeah. and Brad, um, Brad Oscar, Diego Prieto. Um, so we made like a I marriage know. during that show. I That's know, and that was so wonderful to see. Um, Mm-hmm. I'm going to have them on in the future because we've yeah, got to talk about please. that. Um, but that production, man, I, so I was, I believe the only DC actor hired as a dancer, which was a, a joke. It wasn't? And many, why? For many reasons, <laughs> because those dancers in that cast were dancer, dancer boys. <laughs> like it was insane but one of my favorite uh silly memories was uh of course it was stage managed by directed by the brilliant uh molly smith and uh, music directed by george fuganini shikar may rest um and uh stage managed by sue white and one of my favorite tihi chuckle memories is one night um after the first act oh god what did i do i can't wait to hear this no, she she popped her head into uh, oh, the did. men's dressing room and said, and she said, no. put it up, boys. <laughs> Just saying. Yes. No. <laughs> well, it was a because different era. I think the, <laughs> it was a different era. I think it was because you put us in frilly sleeve shirts and played the mambo. And that was That's all, all it, took. it took. Yes. But yeah. Yes. And I was your understudy yes, you in that production. Uh-huh. Did you ever go on? Isn't that insane? No, there was one morning you you yeah. you felt close, and I had like a almost put in, and then you're like, <laughs> I got this. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you wake up and you're like, this, uh, this ain't gonna happen, and then you like work your way through the day, and you're like, I guess so. See, Stephen picked a heart tonight to color because of turn your heart into art. But I was thinking you picked the heart because you've got to have heart. Well, I pick things for many smart reasons. Oh, yeah. oh, the, the, the divine universe will right. just align. Yeah, yeah. And because there's so um, much love here. Cool. <laughs> oh, so much, so much. Um, you also uh, appeared in Camelot at Arena. Um, uh, the, oh God, the play Orpheus with- um, with Fred. Uh, Mm-hmm. Orpheus yeah. Ascendant, thank you. Which was incredible. It was a great experience. Um, you know, and I thank Molly for, and you know, that's not the kind of thing I get to do very often. Um, you know, and I, I thank Molly for giving me that, that opportunity to do a Tennessee Williams role. And it was kind been... of at the same time as the uh, Tennessee Williams Festival at the Kennedy Center. But that was like one right. of the only plays they hadn't produced. At that right at that celebration. And Fred Schiffman mm-hmm. coming down the stairs in that show. Oh my yeah. gosh. Still remember it. Um and you had a I guitar, played a few songs correct? in that show, yeah. And not, you still play I'm not guitar very today? Good, no. But my son's very good. <laughs> no. Oh <laughs> yeah, really? He's killing it. Interesting. No, I can't play very well. I never could. And I recently you know, it's so sad, but I actually did compose those songs with another composer for that show. So it was, it was a fun collaboration. And as we were composing the numbers, I was kind of learning how to play the numbers at the same time. And it was a good challenge. That's for sure. 
and I guess most recently I've seen you at in DC with yes. uh, Snow Child, mm-hmm. right? And God, how long ago was that? Because what, I, is, what is time? I, yeah, I don't even time? know what time is. That was 2018. <laughs> okay, I knew it was recent ish. So is that is would that have been Arena's yeah. new space with everything kind yeah. of? Yeah. What year yeah. was it? That what a they, difference that they reopened in the new space. I'm thinking like I. 2010 or 11 10 yeah 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 that sounds about right um what a beautiful space to work in my god i just Uh, spoke to molly i know you guys have spoken to her as well and i think it is ridiculous mm -hmm. that you know they're letting people into restaurants and wherever else but they're not letting people into theaters you know at some kind of capacity sports stadium you know the sports mm-hmm. stadiums and everything but they're not letting people in the theaters at what just a 10 percent capacity or a little bit more i mean maybe that'll change soon but um it's quite ridiculous well well again as like the the most let's say prevalent theater goers are uh yeah. senior citizens right so those are the people getting their shots first so it stands yeah. to reason you know an audience should be coming back soon or safe yeah, to. Everything um, works if everything so goes as planned. Exactly. Exactly. I'm just so tired of the arts in America seeming like it's a hobby and that we don't cultivate um, culture and help to uh, redevelop communities and redefine stories. I mean, it's it's exhausting. Yeah. Especially from and an education the first thing point of view, anyone right? does. That the arts should be in the schools yeah, I mean, in order to help give uh, students um, different options or different ways of learning, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, music is math. Music is written in a foreign language. Uh, be, lear- learning uh, how to be, um, I mean, I never went to school to be an actor until I was 23, Mm-hmm. But I knew that that's where I always wanted to be, and right. um, I think the skills that you get as a performer are used in yeah. everything we do. Yeah, and it also yeah. provides so much confidence, you know. And we're, I think, so many kids are just they're they're just ashamed to get up in front of a class and speak, you know. And and simple elocution is something that um, where that I think a lot of students need and to get jobs and interviews and and do well in that scenario and the arts certainly brings that out in us hey matt not to divert but have you seen uh pretend it's a scene um, oh i i've seen pieces of it my wife was watching it yeah she's hilarious yeah yeah yes it's hysterical what are what are you guys watching <laughs> on tv <laughs> Well, I'm going kind of retro, you know, it's like um, I'm I'm catching up on things because I I I didn't tend to watch very much TV. But I before the election, I watched all of West Wing. I just had to, like, feel what it felt like to feel good about (laughs) about the West Wing. Right. Um, And that was incredible. And I mean, right now I'm watching what am I watching? Um, Arrested Development. Just, you know, to have something fun to look forward to in the wee hours. It's so funny because and this discussion uh, about, like, 
TV watching. Well, we used to be in the art, so we never got yeah. to see a lot of these shows. Um, and I, you know, it just wasn't on my radar to kind of catch up. I'm also of the mindset for some reason that if everybody likes it, I don't want to see it. And it's it's only till much later that I'm like, you guys, the Lord <laughs> of the Rings, who knew? Right. Um, guys, Game of Thrones but, is really with good. With uh, Arrested Development, <laughs> Arrested Development, I'm trying to get my husband uh, hooked on. Um, but we're we're also doing a lot of things. We're catching up on pop culture moments we weren't present for. Like this is really dumb, yeah. but The Office. Yeah, we never watched. No, that. I had. Yeah, I I had a moment where I was watching that, but I didn't watch all of it. I mean, there's so many seasons, right? Oh my god, yeah, and and all hysterical, and the cast of character yeah, actors yeah. that is so brilliant. Um, and and we oh, just started yeah. the Ozark. I've seen that whole thing. Um, That's great which is yeah it's intense man and it's so interesting to go between arrested development and ozark to see jason bateman's like scope yeah. of what he can do but but until ozark i don't think he's ever was asked to do anything of that kind of well he's you know yeah i so mean he he's, he, isn't he a producer and also maybe a writer on it i think yeah yeah i mean yeah. i i yeah. do see him doing some of the same things uh, in both of those shows in that he's managing everyone around him. He's managing the situations, but yep. certainly in Ozark, he is, he is so understated, but at the same time, we are taking that journey with him. Right. It's so good. He can't, so good. he can't give so away good. too much, um, you know, cause he has so many secrets. So yeah. Right. The, the kind of close to the collar, um, attitude that he has and how he finds variation in that is really interesting oh. and laura <laughs> linney man oh. yeah she's incredible it's a great show yeah yeah it's good i love it um so we because we haven't mentioned this at all just can you kind of so you did mention <laughs> uh the civil war um I've done that show twice. I thought you did. Is that right? Names, two enough. different names. Why? I I got to meet Frank Wildhorn's mother during that show. What did you? I'm yep. sorry. What'd you say? <laughs> I said I got to meet Frank Wildhorn's oh, well, congratulations. mother during that show. I don't think I've ever met her. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, a silly side note: we were at the reception of the opening night party, and of course, I was the date, and uh, another friend went with us, and we're at a table eating. And this woman sat, sits with us. And, of course, we kind of start making small talk about the show and this and that. And she's really going off about the just the beauty <laughs> and wonder of this show. And I'm thinking, she oh, wow, really she show. really, really loved the show. So then she said, well, have you met Frank? And I'm thinking, <laughs> Frank? You mean, like, Kathy <laughs> Lee, Lee Gifford's husband? Um and then all of a sudden, she, she said, I'm Frank Wildhorn's mother. I will go get him. And he, he would go. love to meet you guys. That's and I so was like, cute. oh, my God. Yeah. That's fun. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead, Matt. What was the question, Stephen? No, I was working my way there slowly. Um, yeah, that I, I have done that show twice, both at Ford's Theater. Once it was the name was changed to Freedom Song, um, interestingly enough. So I've been part of two, like, working iterations of trying to, like, <laughs> fix exactly. it solve what it change it? it you know <laughs> um yeah right 
and I and it's that same thing. It's like the cast that I was with was so incredible, and we had such a great time together. But the material is so strange yeah. to have a musical about. It's just a review, um, isn't it? And it's yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, we write shows that it's strange to have a musical about, but that's really something yeah. that's strange to have a musical about because it feels at times, I like I don't think it can ever be done again now. Um, I don't know anyone who would pay money to hear somebody sing right the now, Sons no. of Dixie right now. <laughs> That's like putting statues no. back up. Um, exactly, exactly. But what I was trying to get toward um, is the yeah. Miss Saigon of it all. So you are in a famous poster holding Kim at the end. It's a beautiful ad that was in i think like american theater magazine it was in times um, square i remember God's seeing it when i was in billboard <laughs> yeah uh, yeah and so yeah yeah you well, in your underwear you know, guys got to do, do. <laughs> listen that that ad single-handedly probably revitalized broadway because people fun. were like where do we see these people a lot of fun um so how how long was your what was your Miss Saigon in a experience nutshell, in a nutshell? I, I always start by saying I'm one of the luckiest guys because right out of college I moved to New York and and uh, with like 1200 bucks and uh, was there for eight months or so before well not that long probably probably four months um, and then I booked Miss Saigon on the road and then I had to go home because I ran out of money and I sold shoes knowing that I was going to go start the tour of Miss Saigon um, <laughs> just to make ends meet, you know, until rehearsals started <laughs> in January. Uh, but, you know, I, I, uh, I had a great time doing that show for a year and a half on the road. And then they moved me into the Broadway company for another year and a half. And it was the hardest job, continues to be the hardest job I ever did. I mean, probably because I was young and inexperienced and also my voice was still, I was still figuring out my voice and it's, it's a really tough show to sing. And I'm not the only one that had that trouble. There are lots of my friends, you know, who played Chris and suffered and a lot of people who played Tui and Kim and, and when we had rehearsals and we worked with Claude Michel Schoenberg in Seattle and he would coach us on the music, he would say, I remember him saying this to us. He said, he said, I wrote this music high. I mean, he did it in a, in a French accent. I wrote this very, very high on purpose. You know, he was like very impassioned about it. I wrote it very high on purpose because I wanted the actors to have as much need as the characters. And so if you're, if you are, you know, not only straining, but kind of uh, attempting to, to sing this material it really brings out the most in you in a, in a phys physical manifestation as well as the need if you're speaking through character and um you know i think i think that's pretty brilliant i mean that's certainly what opera does and and it's certainly um what makes les mis what it is you know an incredible piece of theater and uh miss saigon is the same i think Yeah, I mean, the music to Saigon is uh, mesmerizing, um, as well as, of course, Les Mis has its... I think this is a different uh, 
kind of epic. It, it's a yeah. different thing, but um, just some of the um, some of the music mm-hmm. in Saigon yeah. is so beautiful. I have um, I have the original solo recordings that Claude Michel did of Miss Saigon. Yeah, some of them are, and he oh, basically, wow. you know, he doesn't really read music. He can play just a little. So he would play a little of what he wanted the song to be into his four track recorders and do it that way. And then he would have friends come in and sing on top or he would sing some of it. And uh, it was really, it's really interesting and hard to get through. But at the same time, you see the germination of this entire piece. Yeah, I can share that with you That's if you want. incredible. If can... Yeah. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. Well, uh, talk to us a little bit about your Jersey Boys um, experience. Yeah, the smash hit of Jersey Boys. Yeah, I mean, different Um, experience all the way around. In that, I I experienced and went through every and any kind of emotion that you could feel about doing a show. You know, in an eight-year period, that's what's going to (laughs) happen. You know, eight times a week. You know, for eight years is around three thousand performances or more. So, um, yeah, Jersey Boys, I was doing a show called um, a musical version of Zhivago, which was also directed by Des Makinoff out at uh, La Jolla Playhouse. I was doing that right, right after Jersey Boys opened on Broadway. And they ended up having this big hit. And so... I was around Des during all this buzz of the excitement of Jersey Boys, you know. And uh, I know uh, Bobby Spencer, who you know from going to school with and and uh, played the role that I played in New York. Um, first, he, he originated the role of Nick Massey, one of the four seasons, and then I took over for him. So the interesting thing about that is that Bobby and I are the only ones in the whole run of Jersey Boys in New York that played Nick Massey. Now, Jersey Boys is still running in New York. Wow. Broadway. So they still have a, a huge life that, right. uh, for that show in New York, hopefully, in the, in the coming years. But um, it was a great experience because the audience just loves watching that show <laughs> and taking that journey. And they love that music. Yeah. It's, I, I, I guess it... Th- yeah, I guess it's very similar to like doing the Mamma Mia show. Yeah, it's you're just right. I would imagine such fans yeah. of the music. No, it is true. I've done Mamma Mia a couple times, yeah. not on Broadway, would but you... um, at big theaters. You know, I've done Mamma Mia, and the people just love it. But same thing, you know, it's people just they're so excited before the curtain even goes up, and at Jersey Boys, and to hear that music and to play along, and then they're just surprised by the. They were surprised by the story, the untold story of the Four Seasons and Frankie Valley, and and to uh, back it up with all that music that they they all know and love and probably have a history with. You know, that's the whole thing about you know. Well, I guess we can call them jukebox musicals, but you know uh, that we bring so much to the party even before the show starts. And uh, yeah, I mean, I consider yeah. Jersey Boys a little different of a of a jukebox musical because most of the music is uh, is used in concert style versus using the music to uh, convey character, you know, or use use lines from those songs. So it's a little different, and I think that right. is 
part and parcel of its success on Broadway and in New York in commercial theater. But yeah, I mean, what an exciting show mm-hmm. to do. And that's what made it easy to do for an extended period of time as well. Yeah. yeah. Da, 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 da. Oh gosh, the the girls, the girls yeah. and the, and the yeah. choreography was Beautiful. so cute. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. I've never seen it. We well, could. Matt, we're we not going to keep started. you all night Come away on. from your family. <laughs> Those boys are going to bed. I know. They we're, better be. <laughs> boys. Is your whole family oh, like super well, uber talented? Yes, of course. No, I mean, I, yeah, my boys, <laughs> my boys are they're, they're so cute. They're so special to me. Uh, Easton is uh, he's going to turn 12 soon. And Trulane just turned 10 um, on Monday. And yeah, they're talented at different things, you know, but this is my job is to show them the world and introduce all kinds of things to them. Uh, You know, we're not necessarily pushing theater, but we're certainly educating them about it and, and, and teaching them the arts. And they watched West Side Story recently and they were like, what, what is this? Why are they singing? Why are they dancing? You know? And I'm like, it's Romeo and Juliet for God's sake, you know? (laughs) Don't you understand? I just saw with West Side Share. Story with Cher. What do you mean? The... Have you seen that? No, I haven't. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Oh, she... on her variety show? Is this from the old yes, Cher I show? Yes, I see that. That was brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. She plays all the parts. I mean, like, that was amazing. you are? Well, that was show. amazing. Oh, my God. <laughs> It is so funny, and so have you, you've been on. Um, you've been on Smash, Smash before too, yes. right, Matt? I uh, I was supposed to do the uh, JFK part, and and we did. We I learned. I learned everything. I recorded a, a song, and then they scrapped the whole thing, and then they hired somebody different to do to do a different song and a different. Oh, a different no. staging altogether. But, you know, I got paid. I did my job. They kept me on as a as a minor character um, in a scene or two. But, uh, yeah, I, I had something cut from that that I had hoped was going to make it. No, that show. That's was, rude. And we will not was always ask finding the itself, right? <laughs> it was. I heard a, I heard a rumor that, yeah. that they were trying to take it Think- to Broadway. I don't know. I mean, was that the goal? No, they're going to have a tough time now. But I mean, I think that I, I think that that show just had a really hard time finding itself, and that it wasn't really true to the excitement of the theater. It wasn't really true to who we are. You know, we're we're fun people. People should be lucky to look in on our life. Right. You know, our backstage life, or how how comical we are, or how how fun we are, how open we are. Um, you know, and I, I felt like that show was just trying to make a drama out of a drama in a way, but. Matt, I forgot to bring up uh, another show that was a really big deal. For yeah, you, that was a lot of fun. Which is Smokey Joe's yeah. Cafe. So, mm-hmm. so that's on, that's recorded. Uh, the performance is recorded and I'm assuming available yeah. somewhere on the inner tubes. Um 
but I believe I used it. I think I still have it on VHS because yes, and so do I. I still have, I have VHS. A couple of VHS players um, in my house. I'm not getting rid of absolutely. Them. I do too. I do too. Yes. So uh, tell us about that experience. That's my goodness. Yeah. Talk about music people know and jukebox shows. That show is. Yeah, uh, I mean amazing. that show rocked my world. When I, saw it, I saw it three times. I brought friends to see it before I even, you know, thought about auditioning for it. Um, but that show I did in the same theater that I did Jersey Boys in, and it's a really exciting place to perform. So, um, yeah, I was I was so lucky. I did the last six months of the run, and at the very end. Um, this was like a new thing. Like the Broadway television network was going to re record it and produce it. And uh, it was going to be HD, whatever the heck that was, you know, HD TV. So I'd, you know, Jerry Zachs would invite me to come into the trailer while they, while they were taping pieces of it and be like, look at these screens. Look at how, look at how different this is, you know, how it looks so 3d. And I'm just thinking, Oh, you can see everybody's makeup. That's weird. Um, you know, how, how you how hd yeah. makes it kind of look bad in certain scenarios but we had a great great i had a great experience and just love the fact that i was included in that um and the only reason i was was because michael park was off uh doing a contract uh, with his soap opera uh, but uh but i was the lucky one well, I, did you ever go I down the booked, soap opera? i almost booked uh, it several times you know booked a few a few roles several times, but it never happened for me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm but well <laughs> I, I think the there's soap still opera? time, Matt. I think Possibly. there's time. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. The story. My grandmother called yeah. what is her story. What are the equivalents yep. of uh, of soap operas what? these days? The crown. The crown. You think that's a soap opera? In a way. I, I, I don't know. I think. Uh, I, you know, did I you watched, watch? Did you watch like the three seasons of it? Yes, I haven't. I haven't watched a lot of it recently, but I think those like costume dramas are like soap operas for, especially for dudes. You know, like Vikings and that kind mm -hmm. of thing. Whatever, Outlander. <laughs> you know, those are like right. the stories these days. Uh, Outla yeah, let's be Outlander is that, porn for moms. Let's be honest. You know, but I watched the whole thing naturally. Yeah, yeah, it's it's fantastic. I haven't do it yet. That and the Queen's yeah. Gambit. You know, talking about shows we were holding off on. I haven't seen those. The I hear. Yeah, the Queen's Gambit. I mean, I loved Bridgerton yeah. for what I was watching and seeing, but man, the Queen's gambit some of the choices of telling that story are really just beautiful it. i don't know yeah it's like you kind of want to watch it in your own time right yeah 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 i'm kind of, i'm kind of a history person anymore where like if it's if it's based mm -hmm. on something historical yeah. i really like to watch and you like to write that way something. too you write um, you choose things to write about that yeah. way but you all but you know like you were saying jack the ripper and the women from a different perspective right that's interesting oh boy is this a different perspective because we're doing this with um the synetic uh company here in 
Washington that basically is a physically based troop that I keep saying it's almost like a staged Cirque du Soleil, which probably is wrong, but but it's very like they they did they do like Shakespeare without oh, any that's text. incredible. It's all just completely watched like a movie. So we are collaborating with them to bring the five Great women's uh, stories to life, and uh, currently it's set in a as insane asylum with um, a historical figure who actually was suspected as the killer, oh, named John James. Kelly. James Kelly. Oh, James. John okay. was his brother. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. Um, yeah, I re- I read a book. I'm a voracious reader, and a lot of a lot of the time it's historical stuff. I read a book by Haley Rubenhold um, called The Five, and I'd uh, I'd always been like intrigued by the Jack the Ripper kind of story. But you start to follow those threads; they lead to kind of dark places, and it, almost as if the killer is being celebrated because he pulled it mm-hmm. off. Uh, and nobody knows who he is. And so this book took the position right. of not talking not about him, him, right? Not talking about any theories. Yeah, it's it's like we see with this horrible murders in Atlanta. I don't exactly. want to hear about that dude. I want to hear about those people. And, you know, what, he had a bad day. Are who you cares? kidding me? Yeah. Are you kidding me? That's. Yeah, yeah. You di- he didn't have a bad day. They did. So, so looking at this show, this story from the angle of the women, thanks to this book, um, has been really fascinating. And really, uh, these stories are cyclical in nature. History tends to be, and uh, you find again and again whether these people who worked in the massage parlor were sex workers or not. The, even the the doubts cast on well they worked at that that's the kind of stigma that you know right. these five <laughs> women were not all sex workers but they're perceived and lumped in as such and therefore at the time it was uh no nobody cared they were disposable and that attitude remains it's it's painted up and changed you know suits but it's still there underlying and just it cuts a little duller but it's there beneath the surface if yeah you look, and it's certainly not, a, not not but, just um, an asian thing um asian problem you know that's a problem with mm-mm. and you know people use the word systemic all the time that's a problem with men and the way they view women and what women are for that kind of thing and that's that that's disgusting mm-hmm. that can't be happening People have to take responsibility for their for their actions and think well, twice before they do something. Yeah, and the the uh, God, it just kind of uh, it tells you through the the point of this book tells you through the point of view of a woman in eighteen eighty eight. Like you mm-hmm. had nothing if you didn't have marriage, and the jobs you were, you know. Uh, available to do or allowed to do right. were not enough to make you a living on your own. And it, it's, that's mm-hmm. when we talk about words like systemic, <laughs> that's because it's part of the system that is, you know, created to repress uh, or, or prop up somebody else and not mm-hmm. have a level. The, the playing field is not level. And anyway, big tangent there, but um, still glad we went there. Um <laughs> 
gosh, I, I could talk to you all night. I know Matt could as well. Yeah, but we should probably wrap this up because we're going to get we love you from guys, like subscribers wow. saying, look, yeah. we love you guys, but Chatty, shut up. Chatty Cathy's. Um, sh- shout out to your biggest Shout out to your biggest fan who oh cannot gosh. wait for this episode, Miss <laughs> Ronnie Gold. Yeah, I love her. Wait, She's I thought wonderful. we were I miss her. I miss all of you in D.C. I look. Oh, that's nice. Yes, Thank Fred you, Schiffman Fred. sends I love his you. love as well. I, I, so I can't wait to see go. everyone and, and party with everybody and do shows together again. I just really look forward. Yes. Yeah. And like, that too. Gather. Let's do it. Remember gathering? Let's do it. Let's get together. Yeah. All right. All right, my friend. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And let's just let's have a chit chat that's not recorded soon, just to catch up. Yeah, and Matt, do you wanna do you wanna leave with any you wanna plug anything that people should be aware of since the last year or so of like anything that they can uh, find Not you at this on point. I mean, I think that, that you're uh, attached to right now, like I said, I've just been writing and developing and developing a, a play with a friend of mine, a three person play. And I hope that that gets done. We're also, you know, working on it being a, a film and we hope that that gets produced. Um, and uh, other, you know, other things I was saying about, you know, we're actors, we're artists. Let's keep busy. Let's stay busy. Let's let's be creative. Um, you know, the thing that I'm drawing while I'm talking to you is a is a uh, I'm designing some some uh, enclosures for gardens and working with a friend of mine. And we built like four or five of them last summer, and we're gonna build some more. We got jobs lined up, and you know that's what we got to do. We got to get out there and be creative in our own ways, and sometimes you know, find different ways to make money. So just um, let's keep our heads up and, and support our communities. And Yeah, and, st- and send oh, Stevie yeah, a great. picture of, of what that. you're drawing and we'll put it up with ours. Excellent. Yeah. Awesome. You well, too. we've loved talking to you, buddy. It's so good to catch up. Definitely. Um, yeah, love you and guys. And let's do it for real soon. Take All right? care. Bye-bye. Oh, wow. So much fun. So much fun catching up with Matt. Love him so much. So talented. Uh, beautiful family. And God. Just... And Matt has always made us feel like we're family. Yeah, absolutely. I remember after the shows, I think I think it was during 110, um, we would always hang out afterwards. And, and I think he called me his brother because he somehow I reminded him of his, his brother or something like that you were, you were the uh, additional Bogart brother yes something like that and I just I don't know it's like we haven't ever lost track of each other's he's just such a wonderful light Soul, yeah. yeah absolutely um, so thank you Matt and everyone check out Matt Bogart if you don't know who he is which I doubt there's anyone listening to this that doesn't but check out all of uh, Matt's things on iTunes um, and we yeah. will keep you posted on all of his projects coming up and let me tell you I've seen the piece of art that he drew uh, while we were uh, recording and it's not fair he even draws well um, we're going to be sharing that and a little teaser of a play he's developing as well uh, so stay tuned for all that. Look for all of that on the Connor and Smith Facebook page. Um, Matthew, how... <laughs> I feel like art shame 
that's not a thing. Uh, there's different kinds of art. This this piece of art, as you know, listeners, we're we're not claiming to be like really good uh, uh, visual artists. We're just kind of playing as adults in children's art and <clears throat> hoping to unlock a little bit of creativity. And this is a heart with puzzle pieces. So I colored them, you know, rudimentary uh, skill level. And then I wrote things that are dear to our heart. And Matt wrote some as well. And we'll take a picture of this and put it up next to <laughs> Matt Bogart's, um, like, engineering sketch that, like, is going to make us look like we're... Uh, anyway, um, it looks fantastic. Uh there's a lot of blues and reds and different kind of hues. Um, we'll take a close up with the things that we hold dear. I see that Matt wrote cheese. That's interesting. Um, <laughs> I've done a lot. I have ice cream, cheese, the arts, uh, lights, uh, the sun, the moon, hope, the beach. Lots of things you kind of take, you hold dear. I wrote uh, Matt first. Um... Oh, you did write me. That's good. I wrote, of course, uh, Eddie and Byron, um, and Buddha, and Matt Bogart, too, because, you know, we hold him dear to our heart. We do. Uh, so thank you guys for listening, and tomorrow's a mini-sode. Never know what's going to happen on a mini-sode. We just know it's short. Um, we're short-her, and we are prepping, like we said, this weekend's guest, Tobias Young, Saturday, talking... All Things Simply Food by Ty uh, and then Cheryl Darrow who Matt is eating popcorn very loudly. Sorry. If you hear Crinkle Crinkle, it's Maddie with his skinny pop. It's another sponsor. Don't talk with your mouth full. Um, Cheryl Darrow who uh, DC audiences will remember as Gigi from our production of 2013 of Miss Saigon speaking of a tie-in there. Um so we're we're looking forward to talking to Ty and I'm sorry Tobias and Cheryl and God only knows what's going to happen on the mini so tomorrow night we don't know we come up with it like on the spot so as we always say until then turn, turn your, your heart, heart into, into art. art good night everybody